May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this is the the third very lengthy reading we've had from the Gospel during Lent. Uh, It started with a couple of weeks ago with Nicodemus' conversation that well, between Jesus, with Jesus. And then uh, last week we looked at Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. And now um, this lengthy passage about Jesus healing the man born blind. And Jesus says something very significant and quite startling when he says, I am the light of the world. And throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus makes these I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. And here he says, I am the light of the world. So that got me thinking uh, and reading a little bit this week about light and uh, particularly the relationship between light and sight, between light and vision. And of course we know that without light you can't see. Light reveals an object, uncovers an object so that we can see it. But light is also necessary so we can understand what we're looking at. Light has to shine from an object into our eyes. And then once the light waves hit our eyes, the cornea, and then makes its way uh, to the the back of the eye, to the retina, and into the optic nerves, the, the light waves are sent from the optic nerves into the brain, the visual cortex of the brain, so that we can understand, the brain begins to sort out what it is exactly you're looking at. So, you can have a healthy pair of eyes and a healthy brain, but as we all know, without light, you can't see, and without sufficient light, you can't understand what you're looking at. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what is he saying? Well, he's saying, through me, all people... The whole world can see God. Now he makes a statement later on in this gospel in John 14, verse 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to see God, look at Christ. And if you want to know the truth of God, if you want to discern what God is like, Jesus is saying, look at me. If you want to understand and know the the truth of God and experience the life of God, Jesus is saying, I will reveal God to anyone who has eyes to see, to look at me. And in this story, this lengthy reading from the Gospel of John, we see two basic responses to that claim, that Jesus is the light of the world. And I think these two basic responses are still with us today. There's a lot in this story. It's a a wonderful story. It has a lot of detail. It even has humor. It's okay to laugh when the Bible's being read. You know that? There's humor in this story. We won't be able to get to all the the detail. I just want to look at these two basic responses here to Jesus' great claim to reveal God, to reveal the truth of God. He is the light of the world. The first response we see is the blind man's positive response to this claim. The blind man, ironically, is the one who comes to see who Jesus really is. When Jesus takes the initiative, and that's important, Jesus takes the initiative to heal this blind man. There are some stories 
for Jesus heals and people come to him seeking healing. In this instance, Jesus sees a blind man and he takes the initiative to healing. But the man receives Jesus' ministry. The man is open to receive Jesus' ministry because obviously he knows he needs Jesus' touch. He's blind after all. And he needs the touch. He needs the ministry of Jesus Christ. So that's part of the positive response to Jesus being the light is openness to receive this light, to receive this ministry, to receive this healing. You know, when Jesus started to heal him, when he spat on the ground and, and began to mix mud with his saliva, the blind man didn't say, well, wait, wait a second. What are you doing here? You know, I, this isn't the way I want to be healed. Uh, Jesus didn't, uh, the blind man didn't say, uh, I, I'm not sure if this is going to work, Jesus. He was open to the ministry of Christ. He didn't say, isn't it the Sabbath? And don't the religious rulers say that we shouldn't do this on the Sabbath? Let's try this again another day. No, he knew his need for Christ. He recognized it, and so he was open to receive. And then he obeyed the word of Jesus. He trusted the word of Jesus. Jesus didn't heal this man instantaneously, right? He gave him a word to obey. Go wash in Siloam. And then he went and he came back seen. He came back seen, a great miracle. But it started because he was open to receive the ministry of Jesus. Out of his need, he recognized, I need the healing touch of this man. And then he obeyed the word of Christ. He had faith in the word of Christ. He trusted. Maybe he wondered as he went to the pool of Siloam, is this really going to work? <laughs> maybe there was a seed of doubt, or maybe even more than a seed of doubt. But he still responded in faith, didn't he? God will work with just the grain of a mustard seed of faith as we respond to his son, Jesus Christ. And then we see as the story unfolds that this man who was born blind begins to understand more and more about who Jesus really is. The light of Christ begins to grow in his understanding. His neighbors are skeptical. They've known this man all their life as the blind man, as the blind beggar. And so, this is just mind-boggling to them. This shatters their, their understanding, their paradigm of how the world works. How did this happen to you? And he responds very simply. Listen to how he talks about Jesus here. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eye. The man called Jesus. Now he recognizes that Jesus is a miracle worker. But at this point, he refers to Jesus as a man. But then he goes on and he calls Jesus a prophet. So the Pharisees have some investigation to do. They get their investigation committee together. And they call him before the committee. They bring him in for questioning. And I love as, as, as the story unfolds how the, 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 the pluck of this, this guy's personality comes out. Do you want to be his disciple too? Why are you asking all these questions? I've told you what's happened. But he says, when they ask him, well, who do you say that he is? I mean, he, after all, you're the one that received the healing. Who do you say that he is? He says, He's a prophet. He's a prophet. If he were not from God, he couldn't do this. So he's called Jesus man. 
now a prophet, sent from God, his understanding, his appreciation of Christ's identity is growing. The more he reflects on what has happened to him and the more questions that come. And then at the end of the story, I love this, after the rulers had kicked him out of the synagogue. That's what it means when they say they, they, they cast him out. It means that they, they kicked him out. They excommunicated him. Here was his faith community. And because he was confessing what Christ had done for him, they excommunicated him. But I love that Jesus went out and found him. When he heard that he had been cast out of the synagogue, Jesus went out and found him. And he said to the man, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, Tell me who this Son of Man is and I'll believe. And Jesus responds in a way that must have really caught his attention. This man who had been born blind. He says, you've seen him. You've seen him. He's here, standing before you. The Son of Man, that's another title of Jesus. And uh, it's, it's the title that Jesus used most often to refer to himself. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. What does it mean? Well, it's an Old Testament term going back to uh, Daniel chapter 7. One of Daniel's visions is of the Son of Man who comes with the clouds of heaven. It says, And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the ancients of days, ancient of days, and was presented before him. And listen to this, and to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. The Son of Man is this divine human figure who is the ruler, the judge of the world and is worthy of worship, of all people to worship Him. All peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is eternal. It will reign forever. And Jesus is saying to this man who was born blind, whom He healed, do you believe in this figure? And this one that God will send, a divine human figure who will come as the ruler and king and who's worthy of the worship of all people. And he says, I am that one. And then it says in verse 38 that the man who had been born blind, the man who had experienced this great miracle, he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, another title, another term. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Very significant that a Jew would worship Jesus. Because, of course, Jews were taught, worship God only. Don't worship idols. Don't, any, don't worship anything less than God. And by declaring that Jesus is Lord and falling down, or however he embodied this worship, by doing this, by worshiping uh, Jesus, by reverencing him, he's declaring that, that he is worthy of the same worship that, that God is worthy of. He's recognizing something of God in Jesus. By the way, that's the only place in the Gospel of John where it says somebody worshipped Jesus. It explicitly says somebody worshipped Jesus. So the light of Christ began to shine brighter and brighter and brighter to this man. He's come to understand that Jesus is more than just a miraculous healer, more than just a man, more than just a prophet. He is the Lord. He's the Son of God. He's worthy 
of worship. The blind man begins to see who Jesus really is. And friends, I think his experience is something of a microcosm, a model of the experience of a true Christian. A a, a true Christian is somebody who recognizes that Christ has called out to you by His grace. That you were once in darkness, as Paul says, but then, then the light of Christ began to break through in your life. And you began to sense your need for Jesus. And maybe that happened when you were very young or in midlife or older as an adult. But at some point, if you're a Christian, you recognize that there was a time where God in His mercy took the initiative to reach out to you. And the light of Christ reached out to you in your darkness. And you sense your need for Christ. You sense your need for forgiveness. To know the love of God. You sense your need for the hope of eternal life through Christ and His resurrection. And your understanding of Jesus begins to grow and grow and grow. And you become a worshiper and follower of Him. Maybe some of you have even experienced the pain of following Jesus. The suffering that comes along with following Jesus. The division and the tension that being a disciple of Christ can have. Like this man who was excommunicated from his community of faith. When we began to follow Jesus, sometimes people experience tension with their family members who don't agree or don't understand. Tension with your family or among your friends or co-workers. But Christ stays with us. Christ went after this man. Christ revealed more of Himself to this man. And that's what happens in our life. The mercy of Jesus goes with us. His mercy goes after us, even in difficult times, in times of suffering, as we follow Him. And if Christ has done this in your life, then thank God for it, because it's a work of grace. You know the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was blind, but now I see. Why? Because of amazing grace. And if we see the light of Christ, if we know the light of Christ, it's because of the grace of God. And we're thankful for it. And we praise Him. But if, if there's somebody here who honestly can't say, none of this really resonates with me, then know that Christ is calling you today. Calling you. Christ's light is shining. Even now, calling you to receive Him. And to trust Him. And to recognize that you need Him. Let His light shine on you. Well, that's the response of the man who began to see. The blind man. But then let's look at the response. Let's contrast this with the Pharisees. How did they respond to the light of Christ? How did they receive the light of Christ that was shining and blazing right in front of their very eyes? Well, it says there was a division among them. There was a division among them. So we we can't paint the Pharisees with a broad brush. Some of them were more, more open than others. Right? We saw that with the story of Nicodemus. Some of the religious rulers were more open to receiving what... Christ was doing. They were trying to process this and figure it out. So we can't paint the Pharisees with a broad brush. But then there were those who just rejected Jesus in spite of all the evidence. And notice what the Pharisees said who rejected Jesus. Look at verse uh, 16. They said, this man isn't from God. This man isn't from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And what they meant by that is he doesn't keep our rules about the Sabbath. He doesn't 
keep our understanding of how we ought to honor the Sabbath. They had their own traditions. They had their man-made rules. One of them was, one of the traditions of the rabbis was there should be no healing on the Sabbath. Unless somebody was dying, but other than that, there should be no healing on the Sabbath because that was considered work. And uh, Jesus healed on the Sabbath to show that that's the most, one of the most appropriate days to heal on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of recreation, of restoration. And he's doing a, a recreating work in the life of this man. And so he healed on the Sabbath. He broke through that tradition that was man-made. But they said, he can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath the way we understand the Sabbath ought to be caught, taught and kept. And then he said, they said, we know God has spoken to Moses. This is verse 29. But as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. We don't know where he comes from. In the previous chapter, some of the religious rulers accused Jesus of having a demon. They just could not accept Jesus as the Messiah. Why? Why did they turn from the light of Christ? even though they had the evidence of his great miracles. What's going on here? They had reason to believe, but they turned away. And um, some people will say, I've heard people say this, if I could just see Christ for myself, with my own eyes. If I would have just been there and witnessed the miracles, then I would believe. Well, here's some people who saw the miracles, and they still did not believe. They still did not receive the light of Christ. Because I think sometimes the problem is not really evidence. Now, sometimes it is evidence. People do need reasons to believe, and we have reasons to believe in Jesus Christ. But I think sometimes, a lot of times, it's not evidence. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the will. Some people just don't want to believe because of how radically they have to change their life and their thinking in order to come to Christ. Thomas Nagel is an atheist philosopher, a prominent atheist philosopher. In one of his books, he admits as much when he says, I want atheism to be true. He says, I'm uneasy by the fact, now this is an atheist philosopher, that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. I'm uneasy with that fact. It's not that I don't just... He says, it isn't just that I don't believe in God. But it's that I hope there is no God. I don't want the universe to be that way. You see, he understood in order to accept, if if he accepted Christ, he accepted the reality of God, then he would be accountable before God. And his thinking would have to change and his identity would have to change. And so much would have to change about his life. He says, I don't want it to be true. And the Pharisees that rejected the light of Jesus, I think, are in the same boat. Part of the problem was was not a lack of evidence. The evidence was there. There was enough evidence to point that he is the Messiah. I think a large part of it was their heart, their will. They would have to give up too much. They'd have to revise their thinking about God and the relationship between God and the law and their own identity. They'd have to revise all that in the light of Jesus Christ. And it was so costly. And I wonder how many people today turn away from Christ for some of the same reasons. Because it's costly. It means giving up an identity. It means giving up autonomy. It means standing before God as an accountable person. 
and even in the church. How many people don't really think about life, don't really scrutinize their theology or their morality in the light of Jesus Christ? Because it's costly. Well, at the end of this passage, Jesus gives this warning. It makes a difference how we respond to the light, according to Jesus. You can't just treat the light in, in, in a neutral fashion, the light of Christ. According to him, he says, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. You see, the light of Christ allows people to see who recognize they need their eyes opened. To the blind, they see. They recognize their need. But to those who think they've got it all figured out, who refuse to see the light of Christ, he says, they become blind. There's a judgment there. There's a judgment there. And so we have to come to him in in, in our need and in an open fashion. And our call as a church is to continue to offer the light of Christ to every person and to to pray that by God's grace, their heart, their will would be opened and changed to receive the light of Christ. I think sometimes we get discouraged in our culture today because we see a lot of people rejecting Jesus and rejecting the church. Those aren't always the same thing. Sometimes there's good reasons that people have about their their hang-ups with the church. But we are living in an increasingly post-Christian culture i think one of the encouraging things about this passage is that we see that people rejected christ even in Jesus' day when he was performing mighty miracles right in front of their eyes <laughs> they still rejected him because it takes more than just intellectual arguments it takes a work of god and that's what we have to pray happens in the lives of people we want to see come to christ that their heart and will is changed by the grace of god but there are still people who need to know the light of Christ and are yearning to know the light of Christ and they have deep needs that get uncovered when they're exposed to Jesus. I just heard a testimony the other day, yesterday actually, uh, of, a, of a former, get this, a former KGB agent who's a United States citizen. He was sent by Russia during the Cold War um, to be a KGB agent here in um, the Washington area. No, the New York area is where he was based. And he did that for some time as a young man. And then he left the KGB. And that's a long story about how he did that. And he's still alive today. But he was able to figure out how to leave KGB. And he's alive today. And uh, when he left the KGB, he became the director of information systems at a leading company in the United States, a Fortune 500 company. And at one point in his career, he was, he was at the pinnacle of his career. He's in his early 60s or so, making a ton of money. And he said, I was empty. And I found myself turning to alcohol, turning to the bottle to fill the emptiness. But he said, I had this assistant who was a Christian, and she was vocal about her faith. She let the light of Christ shine. Now, she wasn't pushy, but she would come back from church after a weekend, and she'd come back on Monday, and she'd say, oh, you should have heard the music, or in the sermon I, I heard this, I learned this, and she would talk about her friends and all that was happening at church, and she would invite him to church, and finally... He, she wore him down, and he, he said, I, I'll go with you. And uh, he had never been to a worship service. He had been to church as a tourist, but never participated in a worship service. And he said, I worried about what was going to happen to me <laughs> in the church service. But he went in there, and he said, the sermon was just as if it had been written for me. 
because the pastor was talking about the love of God and how you can know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And he says his defenses began to break down because he said, that was my need. He had a whole string of broken relationships because he said, I never really received love and I didn't know how to give love. And it wasn't until he heard that message of the love of God in Jesus Christ that that need was uncovered in his heart. And he spoke with the pastor and he began to read about the Christian faith because he said, I wanted my head to be lined up with my heart. My heart was saying yes, but I wanted to make sure there were solid reasons for taking this leap of faith to become a Christian. And he became a Christian and he was baptized. And now God has given him this platform. He's written a book about his experience as a KGB agent. And he's been interviewed by 60 Minutes. And he goes around the country now and he tells his story about life as a KGB spy in the United States, but also about how he experienced the deep love of God in Jesus Christ. When I heard that testimony, I thought, you know what, we can't give up. We can't give up on this culture. Yes, there are people who are going to reject Jesus. And we continue to pray for them. But there are people like this man in our neighborhood, in the neighborhood here in this area, who are living successful lives on the outside, but they have a deep yearning to know the love and light of Christ. Let's continue to share that light and shine for Jesus. Amen. Lord, I do pray that you help us to do that. And as the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, to walk, walk as children of the light, in contrast to darkness, that people will notice. Live our life in such a way that people will notice a difference. To be willing to share the light of Christ. To have conversations about Jesus. To be sensitive to those who, who are hurting and who are in a place of need. Lord, help this church, this community to become a, a kind of a community where your light shines out into the darkness and compels people to come in. We thank you, Jesus, that you give us an understanding of God. You reveal God to us. And we thank you for your work of grace in our life. In Jesus' name we pray.